0: of scripture I want to lead off on tonight is this. In fact, this is the main text. It's uh, Galatians 6, 7 to 10. It says, don't be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. uh, You will always harvest what you plant. Uh, Those who live only to satisfy their own sinful nature will harvest decay and death from that sinful nature. But those who live to please the Spirit will harvest everlasting life from the Spirit. So let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. Therefore, uh, whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone, especially to those in the family of faith. Now, this is a really powerful piece of Scripture. As we start the new year, um, very, very important. I just want to bring out a few thoughts um, the new year is not about just you stopping something or you starting something. In the kingdom of God, it's not about stopping and starting. It's about knowing what you're doing and having a sense of God depositing something in your life for you to do something about it. So it's a, it's a whole harvest principle. Yes, it does mean some things need to stop and some things need to start, but God has given us all seed. He's given us all seed. And you remember Deborah's preach, uh, not preach, it was, a, it was an offering, wasn't it, just before Christmas? And uh, I think it was the 18th. And she talked about, she'd just been given a load of finance and she has a strong tithing principle, which is what we have in the church anyway. But she talked about how important that is to her in her life, that God gives us seed and that seed will produce something. And uh, we're going to look at this harvest principle just for a few moments. And I'm going to touch on uh, some of the immediate future of BCC because we are sowing into our community and into the life of the church. We are doing it constantly and you're doing it in your own life. You may not even be a believer here today but you are sowing into your life. You are putting stuff in and as of Tuesday when you go back to work or maybe unfortunately you're back at work tomorrow, you'll be sowing something into your future by your actions, by where you put your finance, where you put your time where you put your talents, where you put your gifting, you are sowing into something. And you will produce a harvest in what you put your sowing into. So it says in Galatians 6 verse 7 um, that we will be, it says don't be misled. We'll go to that in a minute. My first point is this. If we want to cultivate the right stuff in our life, we need to know these principles of harvest. And the first thing we want to look at is what it is to actually see what a harvest looks like. We've got to see it. You've got to see it spiritually. You've got to see it um, humanly. You've got to see that your life is producing stuff. You may think, oh, my life doesn't produce anything. If anything, it's all negative. No, no. If your life is going a bit negative or going south, it's probably because stuff is going on that's being invested into your life that's very negative, that it's probably taking it in the wrong direction. It's possible that you are proliferating stuff that you shouldn't do. And we've got to change the way we think. It's the whole principle of changing how we think in the kingdom because God's plan is to make things happen that benefit and bless his kingdom and our lives. He wants us to be strong. So what we're doing is we're going to see and create new and the dot, dot, dot there is potential. Seeing a harvest is about creating a new potential. You can do that. God hasn't left us, abandoned us. He's given us the power of his spirit to create something new this year in 2017. There is something. You know, I'm not going to mystify this, but there are six babies about one has just been born. And there's another five that we know about right now going to be born in the life of this church. Over two years, we've seen more than 18 weddings happen. We've got all these nationalities. We've got there's stuff being birthed. And God always matches the supernatural in the physical. He does it all the time. He does it. You watch it. He does it. And, if you know, he does it time and time again. He gives you, he makes it very plain. He doesn't make spiritual things complicated. He makes it visible. He makes stuff that's complicated, whoops, easy to, replace his glasses, easy to understand. He he makes it very, very clear. So in Galatians 6, verse 7, it says, don't be misled. Why? Because people get misled. People get misled. And this is written to Christians. Don't be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. What a strange thing to attach being misled to the justice of God. Why would God attach justice to being misled about harvest? You will always harvest what you plant. It's because don't be misled means that you can be misled as a believer. You can invest your time, your energy, your emotions, your relationships, everything God has given you. To do and live a full life, you can invest in almost anywhere you choose. But where you choose to invest it will produce a harvest. You will always harvest what you plant. You always will. So as we start this year, what is it you're, you're going to plant? What are you planting? What's your plan for tomorrow, Tuesday, Wednesday? What's your plan this week? What's your plan be last year? Do you want to harvest what you harvested last year? Because you will if you carry on doing the same planting. You need to think about what is going to be harvested this year. And uh, you will always harvest what you... You cannot mock the justice of God. What does that mean? It means that God somehow will navigate how we plant. God will step in. If we are planting, as believers, stuff that's going to do damage, He will step in. He's not going to sit back and let you mess it up for yourself. He will get into your life and He will start to bring some discomfort. He'll bring some challenge. He'll bring some conviction. He'll bring some nudging. He'll bring influence from other people. He'll bring a kingdom thing to, to, to speak into your life. Don't be misled. You cannot mark the justice of God because God wants you to harvest a life of righteousness. That's what he wants. Don't be misled. Don't be deceived. We need to plant the right seeds. How do I know this? Because it says in Jeremiah 10, 24, no Lord this is Jeremiah's famous prayer no lord that your our lives are not our own they're not our lives are not our own we are not able to plan our own course some people say they can figure it all out they can't they just nudge in a certain direction verse 24 and so Jeremiah said so correct me lord but please be gentle now that word gentle in hebrew means justice Treat me with justice as you navigate me. It ties right back into Galatians 6 verse 7. God's giving us seed. He wants that seed to produce a harvest and he will help nudge us. And if you know in your heart of hearts you're you're investing what God has given you, but you're doing it in the wrong way, then God will step in. He will start to nudge. He will make you, your life uncomfortable. He will start to bring some challenges. So God wants us to, to use what he's given us. He wants us to. He wants us. The two quick key, key questions for us today is, what seeds have you got and that you will intentionally plant? So what seeds have you got and what will you intentionally plant? In fact, there's another question. Where are you going to plant them? It's not just what, it's where. Where. Because where... Remember the, the harvest field, the principles of the harvest field? You're sowing, and there's a, anyway, we'll get on to that in a moment. In John 4, verse 35, it says, Do you not say, uh, there are yet four months, then the harvest will come. Look, I tell you, lift up your eyes and see that the fields are white for harvest. They're ready for harvest. Interesting thing here. Do, do you not say, this is a saying they had in the New Testament days, there are yet four months, then comes the harvest. In other words, they're saying, you can predict that a harvest is going to come. You can predict it. They're saying the saying is four months away. You can predict that harvest. Look, I tell you, lift up your eyes, Jesus said, and see that the fields are white for harvest. The seeds have already been planted by others because he's clearly making it it clear that harvest is there for us to collect. It's there, and it's the work of others in the kingdom. It's also the work of the Holy Spirit. So what size of harvest... Do you hope to see this year? What size? Well, how much seed have you got? How much can you plant? Where are you going to plant it? How big do you want to see your 2017 harvest? What harvest do you want to see this year? What is it you're going to, to see? The seed sown determines the fruitful harvest that you will see. It's, it, it's determined by what you sow this year. You know, it's very interesting. I, God gave me these scriptures just before Christmas. And I was playing around with them and thinking, God, what is it you're trying to say to me? How are these scriptures relevant? Particularly Galatians 6. And uh, those of you who went to Macedonia with us last year will know that we went to Struga. Who went to Struga on the Albanian border when we were down in Macedonia? Is there anybody in here? There's a few, small number. Do you remember we went into that little church that just got planted? And the little church, when we were down there, The the couple who we've been tracking for the last four or five or six years, Emil and Vesna, um, they went to Bible college in Albania. They've been living by faith. They've they've sold up everything they've got, and they're following the word of God, following the course and the journey of God. And they felt God calling them to this little little place called Struga, and they planted a church, the first church plant in, in history, current history in Macedonia. It's an evangelical church plant down there in Struga. And it turned out when we were there, they just said something to me. They said, there's a possibility that one day we might be able to buy this place. And that little thought was in my mind. And as time's gone on, the people who own that place, there were precious building and all sorts of things started to brew up um, in the life of the people who own the property that this church building is in. And uh, we got an email just before Christmas and then another one just in between Christmas and New Year saying... It's become very important now that we take action because they're going to sell this place to, to get away, get debts paid from the owner. Anyway, there was a more story to it. So I had a Skype call between Christmas and New Year, and they were looking to raise a deposit to secure that building so that over time they can pay for the whole thing and own the thing. And because of where we are as a church, I contacted our, our senior leaders here in the church and said, look, we. Um, we need to make a decision about this. Have we got resource that we can plant into this? We're talking about planting for 2017 and the answer is yes, we do. And so I got on a Skype call with these guys and we were able to make an on-the-spot commitment to them and now it looks like we're going to secure that building for them and we're able to provide the finance for that. Isn't that incredible as BCC? And it's almost like this happens to me all the time between Christmas and New Year. There's always a big test happening between Christmas and New Year that, that becomes almost like a, a test for the year for me. And it just happened that it was, was, it was God's kind of challenge to us. Will you sow into somebody else's need out of the seed that you've got in your house? And you know what? I called them and it looks like five churches are going to get together and support the pilot project um, that's going on out there. Isn't it amazing that God is... Now, if he's doing that and he's done that to me over Christmas and he's doing that in our church, so he's, this is a principle that he's directly dealing with us at, at the moment. It's immediate and it's now. So the first point is, can we see the harvest? Can you see what could grow if you plant the seed you've got? Now, I know you already are doing a lot of seed planting. I know you're sharing your faith. You're investing your time. You're doing a lot of stuff. But I think now is the time to step it up. That's my feeling that God is the way he's speaking, is that we have got a lot of stuff that God's given us. It's time to start sowing that stuff in, into places and ways that you didn't think would be possible. Things are going to happen. The second key point, before I do, funny enough, talking of Harvest, who saw the Queen's speech? I just, I just wanted to say, you know, our Queen is amazing. The Queen of England is amazing. She's amazing. And in her speech, uh, you know, the message on Christmas Day, one, this is a direct quote from her, her message to the nation. Billions of people now follow his teaching and find in him the guiding light for their lives. I am one of them because Christ's example helps me see the value of doing small things with great love. I tell you, we've got to thank God. Even Theresa May, politically you may not be that way inclined, but she goes to church. Uh, you know, She said over Christmas, um, we proudly celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ. She's unashamedly pushing out the gospel in her world. And it helps her make decisions. You may have read that before Christmas. You know, it is amazing what God is doing. We have got a a God-fearing prime minister. We've got a God-fearing monarch. We have got every opportunity. The UK, Britain has been a nation that's changed many, many nations in the world. Why could we not be part of God's huge plan to change the nations? We can be. It's amazing. You know, the Queen said... Um, she, one of the key words in her speech was or in her message, New Year's Day message or Christmas Day message was inspiration, she used the word inspiration and it really resonated with me um, inspiration to inspire is to breathe in and, um, and you inspire others and others inspire you and it's a, it's a biblical principle this, that we inspire one another to good works, we inspire one another, you know As we move forward into this year of small groups, um, it's just extraordinary what what might be possible. I'm I'm grateful to Adam for putting all the work in uh, to what he's been uh, looking at in terms of the the small group plan. It says, um, here we go, small groups, we're going to create a lot of new, why are we going to create small groups? Because they're baskets. (laughs) It sounds like a weird thing. They're they're new baskets. They're they're not basket cases, by the way. It's missional discipleship opportunities for our church. If you know, this year many people have come to faith. Many people have come to faith. But if we don't create the small group fellowship environments for people to grow in their faith, then we're going to really struggle. We will really, really struggle. Our small groups and the growth of the small groups is really important for us. Galatians six eight says those who live only to satisfy their own sinful nature will harvest decay and death um, from that sinful nature for those who live to please the spirit will harvest everlasting life from the spirit so what this is why small groups are so important and next week i mean we're going to be this church is going to be moving at a rate of knots in january i know some of you are visiting and some of you are going to other places after the new year but many of our people who are away are going to be back in, you know, by next week. I've got to say, this church, God has got us on a fast track for movement and multiplication. All this stuff we've been doing for the last two or three years is about to happen. You watch it. It's all about to happen. And as we, as we move forward, we're going to see some extraordinary things happen. Those who live only to satisfy their own sinful nature will harvest decay. That's not a great place to be. And death from that sinful nature. But those who live to please the Spirit will harvest everlasting life from the Spirit. What's that got to do with small groups? Well, it says in Hebrews 10:25, let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another. Why is that important? God is the creator of everything. He could just make stuff happen, but he chooses to work through us. He chooses to, to make his body work in fellowship together. It says don't neglect. And it's easy for us to think, no, I'll go on Sunday. I'll, I'll just come once a week. But actually, fellowship in small groups is critical. Don't neglect meeting together. Why? Because when you meet together, you encourage and build each other up. It's a Greek word. And neglect is a strong word. It's to fail to care for properly. If you neglect something, you fail to care for it. If you had a baby, you wouldn't neglect it. You'd nurture it. You'd feed it. You'd be there. You'd get your hands into the mess. Church is no different. We're going to have a lot of babies coming to our church. A bunch are going to get born in the next few months. But there's going to be a lot of spiritual babies coming to our church. And they've got to go somewhere. We've got to build them up. We can't be long-term life for Christians who just want to get entertained on Sunday. We have got to dig deep. We've got to nurture deep. We've got to be willing to get stuck in. We've got to carry it. If we don't, God will say, who out there wants to carry my responsibility with me? Who is going to step up and make a difference? Who's going to do it? Because we can't just have people come in on Sundays. It's not going to work as we go forward. We have got to dig deep. We've got to create nurturing environments. And also as people, we've got to grow. We've got to grow in skills and some of the other areas that Adam's already mentioned. Matthew 18, 20 says, for where two or three have gathered together in my name, I'm there in their midst. You know that. So that's why small group gathering is important because as we gather, God is in the midst. There will be three kinds of small groups formed. There's the current small groups, the pastoral life groups. There's the new connect groups and coaching groups. And the commonality between all of them is putting Jesus Christ first. Having the Holy Spirit minister, their missional, God-breathing small groups where they're, they're pastoral, yes, but they've got to multiply. They're not going to stay static. We want you leaders to start multiplying your leadership through your groups, through apprenticing. We want the new people as they come in to get baptized and to form into healthy small groups, to be part. It means that we're going to have to sort of Divide and conquer, so to speak, in the right way. Um, but it's going to be about this model. We've got to enable it to happen. And we're going to make that. It starts next week. It's starting right now. This isn't happening in 2018. It starts on January the 8th. Well, not the small groups, but, but the process, the sign-up. We're going to have people with clipboards and, and tablets, modern, modern technology, keeping up with it. But um, God wants to do amazing things in small groups. There's a whole dynamic of small small group opportunity that we have not stepped into yet as a church. I'm telling you, we haven't experienced it yet. We've got some brilliant leaders, some great small groups, but there's a whole new dimension that needs to be formed. It's going to be exciting. Remember what we looked at in movement and multiplication running up to Christmas or before the current series? Acts 13, verse 2. One day as these men were worshipping the Lord... And fasting, the Holy Spirit said, appoint Barnabas and Saul for the special work to which I've called them. Do you remember that? It happened in a small group. It was a small group. But let me tell you something else that we didn't pick up when we were looking at this text earlier on in 2016. I just want to look at the five people who were gathered there. One day as these men, there were five men. Who were the five men? It was Barnabas, Simeon, Lucius, Manaen, and Saul. Why are they significant? Why are they named in the scriptures? And we never opened it up when we looked at Acts 13 earlier on last year. We never did. i tell you what the difference is. There were only five. There were five. And it's relevant. There were five of them. And they were all different. And they were all influences in different ways. Barnabas was from Cyprus. Do you Remember that? Barnabas was from Cyprus. Do you remember when Saul and Barnabas separated and Barnabas went over to Cyprus? He was from Cyprus. And then Simeon was an African guy. He came up from probably southern Africa or central Africa. Lucius was a a Cyrene. He was from Libya. He was from Libya. Manaean was a childhood friend of King Herod Antipas. It's in the scriptures. Why does the Bible say that? Because he was influential and linked with people with great authority. He was probably Roman. Herod Antipas, as a child, probably got, got taught in Rome. His brothers and his half-brothers were all taught in Rome. It's possible that he was like an Italian descent. And Saul was from Tarsus. And where's Tarsus? Turkey. So look at each of these five people. Every one of them came from a different country. They, were for, they looked different. They behaved different. They all had different skills. And they made the effort to get together in a small group. And when they did, the New Testament changed. What could happen in our church? We're full of 40 nationalities. Wouldn't it be great if we could mix up the groups? There's lots of different nationalities in those group, groups. It's amazing. Rick Warren says, the issue is not who, who you think you are, but who you think God is. Right? That's what Rick Warren says. He also says, don't limit yourself by saying, what can I do? Ask instead, said, what can God do in this place? I think this is really important. It's all about having a vision that develops. And my third and final point this evening is going to be this one. If we're going to see a harvest, expect a harvest, we're going to have to serve. And Vlad's got the great privilege on the 15th of January. He is the 15th, isn't it? Of taking us into the area of serving as a discussion. It's going to be amazing. But in Galatians 6, verse 9, it says, So let's not get tired of doing what is good. And just, at just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. Verse 10, therefore, uh, whenever we have the opportunity, we should, we should do good to everyone, especially to those in the family of faith. It's amazing. Do not weary of doing good. Do not at just the right time. And sometimes you might have felt that last year was a difficult year. Maybe you personally had a difficult year. Maybe you're thinking, oh, I don't know if I can cope with the expansion of the church. Woe is me. Life's tough. What does it say in the scriptures? At just the right time, but never give up. Don't give up. Don't give up. At just the right time we'll reap a harvest. I believe it. You know we've been talking about those scriptures that in year three we will see multiplication. What you harvest will produce a harvest all of its own and that's what we've seen. Don't miss out on what's going to happen in 2017. We're going to have some more worship in just a few minutes and um, it's going to be interesting. I want us to think about what is it that God wants us to to be investing ourselves into that's kingdom-minded. Just going to pop up one more verse, and then we're going to get the band up here. It says in 1 Corinthians 3, 5 and 6, and then verse 8, it says, Who is Apollos? Who is Paul? We are only God's servants through whom we, you believe the good news. Each of us did the work the Lord gave us. And verse 6, I planted the seeds in your heart, and Apollos watered it. But it was God who made the growth. It was him who made it grow. Verse 8, the one who plants and the one who waters work together with the same purpose and both will be rewarded for their own hard work. So God will reward us as we serve and the route to strong leadership is serving, It's having a serving heart. So as we serve, we will create, what, we will create, we'll create something new, we will create new capacity in us and in the church. Leaders will be formed, ministries will be developed, the site will expand. And uh, you know it's been a it's been an amazingly year. And guys, won't you join me, the band? We're going to sing a, a song in a moment, but um, or a couple of songs, and we're just going to let God minister to us. But um, we need to be asking ourselves some very direct questions, people in BCC who come here regularly, children and adults. What is it that God is wanting us to sow into our lives and in the lives of the church, the life of the church this year? What is it that God's put into our pocket into our hands into our capacity what has he done you know if you want a big harvest you've got to have a lot of workers in the field you can't have a big harvest on your own you get a big big harvest in when you've got a lot of people all working together and that's what this year is going to be about you know what's been good about this last year well we've seen the church double in two years which is amazing isn't it and we have people migrating and emigrating and moving across the country but there's a lot of growth But in this last year, what achievements have we seen? There have been many. Many of the groups have seen multiplication. We've got five interns, which is extraordinary. We translate four languages on a a frequent basis. We've got the 40 nationalities we talked about. We've seen baptisms every month. We saw one on Christmas Day. Dre was baptised on Christmas Day. Um, The giveaway was over around four and a half thousand came in we're about to launch a debt center as we go into 2017 collaborating with five other churches locally we had a great volunteer lunch celebrating the volunteers in bcc in in mid-december next year we're looking at probably the first weekend in december so put that in your diaries now um you know we've seen christmas Responses to the gospel, we had two back to back carol services. Weren't they amazing carol services? And more than 20 people responded to the gospel during those carol services. And then on Christmas Day, for the first time in my living memory, we did a salvation call after the baptism. And I counted four people responded to the gospel on Christmas Day in this church. I've never in all my life seen that happen in this church. Now, you know, God is amazing. You know, it's just amazing. And let me just tell you one other thing. Last Friday, we had a trained architect on site measuring up this building. In fact, it was Thursday, wasn't it? Thursday, measuring up this building to see how we can expand it. Why? Because we've got to start getting our measuring sticks out and know what we're going to deal with. And the drawings are being done right now so we know what we've got. And the conversations have started with the council for our own expansion. And what are we doing at the end of January? (laughs) Three services. Woo! 9 a.m., 10.30, and 12 noon. It's going to be hard work, everybody. But I'm telling you, God's given us everything we need for life and godliness. We will do everything we can with our resources to make it as painless as possible. If we have to, we'll extend the building. We'll try and make, create more space. But I know we can do it. You know, some of us are going to need to commit to coming to a couple of services. Why? Remember what Deborah said, we create an environment where God can speak. We're going to have to do it. We might need to invest our time in a couple of services and be willing to come to one and two or two and three. We might just have to do that. Why? Because we're creating an environment where people will respond to the gospel. What could happen if we grow by 50% next year? I don't even want to think about it right now. It's going to be a massive headache. But the ability to deal with what God is doing is in this room. It's in this church. It's in your heart. It's in your life everything you need and everything this church needs already here we're not going to ship it in from another country we're not going to get a massive situation where we're importing this that and the other God's put everything this church needs to see the incredible hand of God move in this church the leaders are in this church the disciples are in this church the the parenters are in this church the teachers are in this church the servers are in this church the hard-working people they're all ready in this church and as we go forward you watch what's going to happen you're going to discover stuff in your life you never knew you had in your life so why don't we stand now and celebrate and with with a song